0: Thank you, Ben. Um, I've asked Charles to leave the text up on the screen because we will obviously be uh, be looking at Hosea 3 tonight. But if you've got a Bible with you as well, could you please turn to page 900, which is um, Hosea 2 as well, because Hosea 2 does set set the context uh, for this, and I will be dipping back into Hosea 2 as well. As looking at uh, Hosea 3. Now, Steve told us last week, Hosea is an allegory, uh, sorry, is not an allegory, but is a true story of real people, with two themes running in parallel. One is the very human story of the relationship between Hosea and his unfaithful wife Goma, which then mirrors the often painful relationship between God and his unfaithful people and many of the images we will be looking to at tonight are very uncomfortable uh, but they do paint the picture of what scripture is telling us so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us understand and apply his word uh, this evening let's pray father we do thank you so much for your word thank you Lord that your word is alive living powerful and true Father, we just commit this time to you now, Lord, take these words and and by your spirit empower them into our lives, into our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, Father, that we might just be encouraged to serve you and love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sure most of us have seen that famous film, Zulu, uh, in which a small uh, detachment of um, the British Army heroically holds off a huge force of Zulu warriors. Now, one interesting fact about the film is that uh, the officer who takes command uh, is an engineer who is only there to build a bridge over the river. That was all he was there to do. But because of his rank, had to take on the responsibility of uh, defending the Rourke's Drift, uh, military outpost. He was called to do something extraordinary um, that he could not have possibly foreseen, uh, but which he was ultimately capable of doing. Now, it is a truth in the Christian life that when God calls, he also equips. And that is true right the way through the spectrum of Christian service, from those in ministry, right the way down to foot foot soldiers who give out the notice sheets and sidesmen and and church cleaners and and, home group leaders, whom God calls, he also equips. And Hosea was a prophet called by God to bring God's word to his people. But who was then, in order to fulfill that ministry, uh, was commanded by God to marry a prostitute Be personally humiliated by her continual unfaithfulness yet continue to be loving and faithful to her despite everything now how would we respond in such a situation the marriage vow says for better for worse but few of us could imagine finding ourselves facing such a challenge as this Yet, as we saw last week, that was what God commanded Hosea to do, not just marry someone who would prove to be unfaithful, but someone who willingly sold her body to anyone who had the money to pay for her services. Hosea's ministry was to be one of obedience to God's word, no matter what pain That might have caused him but as we saw last week what Hosea was called on to do is also a picture of the pain that God was feeling because of the apostasy which is the willful disobedience towards God his laws and commands uh, by his own people whom he loved as his own children. So let's look back into chapter 2 for a moment, uh, verse 5 and verse 8. We see that that Gomer, the unfaithful wife, has pursued the desires of her heart. 2, verse 5, their mother has been unfaithful and has conceived them in disgrace. She said, I will go after my lovers who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my oil and my drink. Verse 8, she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold. This was exactly the same as the Israelite nation throughout their history had pursued the desires of their hearts and turned away from the one who truly loved them. Uh, They had spurned and forgotten the way the Lord had looked after them from the time of Abraham onwards through slavery in Egypt, bringing them out and giving them their own nationhood. And they had gone and sought these things elsewhere and then used them In the worship of idols and Hosea is now commanded from our reading chapter 3 verse 1 to pursue Gomer with the same love that God pursues his people and that is with a truly sacrificial attitude that loves unconditionally despite all that she Gomer and they the Israelite nation had done The Lord said to me, go, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. Now the Israelite people were happy to acknowledge that they were God's own people, enjoying all the privileges that that brought But they also dressed and played the harlot um, by following after foreign gods in direct defiance to the laws and commands given to them by God in the desert uh, years before they even reached Canaan. They had failed God in their lifestyle and in their worship by not allowing uh, him to be their God and they to be his people. God then tells them that despite having given them everything, chapter 2, verse 8 again, she has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her grain, new wine, oil, lavished on her silver and gold. They would then lose everything goods, worship, land. And freedom they would lose everything chapter 2 verses 9 to 13 therefore when you always see a therefore you always have to look and know and see what it's there for and and this follows on very logically from verse 8 therefore I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready, I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness, so now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers, no one will take her out of my hands. I will stop all her celebrations, her yearly festivals, her new moons, her Sabbath days, all her appointed feasts. I will ruin her vines and her fig trees, which she said were pay from her lovers. I will make them a thicket and wild animals will devour them. I will punish her for the days she burned incense to the bales. She decked where she decked herself with rings and jewelry, and went after her lovers, But me, she forgot, says the Lord. What a shattering indictment of them as a nation can we even begin to feel god's pain as he tells them uh, as he tells his people through hosea what he is going to do try to imagine hosea standing you know, at one of the sacred preaching sites and telling them this and seeing the look of shock and lack of comprehension on the faces of his hearers, can we imagine what they might have been thinking? The future they, would, they were facing would end within a generation of in, with invasion, conquest, deportation and exile. All that was familiar to them, their national identity would be wiped out. And we get a very poignant picture of this from the words of Psalm 137, very well-known words. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. Let's return to the human side of this story. What was true for Israel was also true for Gomer. She would go and she would sell herself back into prostitution to become a sexual slave to some man as long as he had use for her. And she would then be put back into the slave market. Now in those days slaves were paraded naked so customers could see exactly what was on offer. Imagine Hosea's pain and personal humiliation as he saw his wife up for public scrutiny and sale. Yet he is obedient to God's word to him. He buys her back. The price of a slave was 30 pieces of silver. Does that ring any bells? 30 pieces of silver. Jesus was was betrayed for the price of a slave. So, chapter three, verse two. So I brought, so I bought her for fifteen shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. He pays half in cash, half in kind. He then had the right to do with her as he wished. She had no rights whatsoever. He could have even had her publicly stoned as an adulteress. But he chose to restore her back uh, to her former position as his wife with her full rights. In the same way, God was showing his love for Israel. She was damaged goods, but he loved her where no one else did, where no one else wanted her. Israel's shame was paraded for all to see. But the Lord's love is an unconditional love. Despite all they had done to him, all the pain they'd given him, all the pain they'd caused him, his love for them was an unconditional love. And he would restore them. Back in chapter 2, verses, verses 14 to 20, we see how God would do this. Verse 14, therefore I am now going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. There she will sing as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of Egypt. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her." A few years ago my son Neil and I went uh, on holiday to Jordan and as part of a two-day quote desert experience uh, we were taken to Wadi Rum which is uh, famous for the uh, filming of some of the scenes from Lance of Arabia. Imagine a dry riverbed two miles wide with with sandstone cliffs a thousand feet high on either side and totally empty our guide dropped us off and told us to walk in a certain direction for an hour around a rocky headland to a bedouin desert camp we were to walk in silence The silence was all engulfing. It was an extraordinary experience. Often we just stopped and listened to the silence. It was certainly a place that one could hear God speak to you. And the desert was traditionally the place where God spoke to his people. It was where he gave them their laws and their commandments for nationhood. Verse 14, I will allure her. He would lovingly draw Israel back to himself. He would speak tenderly to her. This was the Lord at his most tender and compassionate. He would speak words of love as a lover speaks to his beloved. Verse 15, he would restore what had been taken away and judgment would turn new opportunity verses 16 and 17 the Lord would restore true worship verse 18 they will live at peace and verses 19 and 20 their relationship will be restored verse 19 I will betroth you to me forever I will betroth you in righteousness and justice, in love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness, and you will acknowledge the Lord. God's purpose was to bring them back to a new beginning. Back in chapter 3, now in verse 4: In exile, they would lose their leaders, their worship, their holy places. They would lose everything that God had given them to enable them to worship him and be their people. They would experience the drought of isolation and know it's sorrow and pain. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 19 paints, uh, paints this picture very clearly. Jeremiah 2 19, your wickedness will punish you Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord. Have no awe of me. It's an extraordinary statement, isn't it? And they could do nothing to save themselves. Does that ring a phrase? Does that ring a chord? We can do nothing to save ourselves. We say that in one of our confessions. But then we also say, but you, Lord, are the God of our salvation. And that is exactly what the Lord Jehovah had been to all his people from the beginning and for all time. It is God alone alone who is the source of salvation, of restoration, and of future hope. In the same way that we we read in in chapter 3, in verse 3 of Hosea, that Gomer was to live faithfully with Hosea. Then I told her, you are to live with me for many days. You must not be a prostitute or intimate with any man and I will live with you. In that same way, God will restore his covenant to them. He would restore the relationship between them and would enable them to return to him in true worship, forgetting the Baals, the Baal worship with its brutal and despicable practices. Jeremiah 31:33 again uh, puts this very graphically just like to read these three verses to you Jeremiah 31:33 the time is coming declares the lord when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah people this was to be the new beginning but one that would have far-reaching implications Um, back in in Hosea chapter um, Hosea 3 5 we read that the people would return from exile and a faithful remnant would once again seek the Lord verse 5 afterwards the Israelites will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. But why David? David had been dead for 200 years. And we know from history that following their return from exile, no one of David's line would ever sit on the throne of Israel again. So, this is a messianic verse that points us to Jesus. This was a fact that Simeon and Anna in the Jerusalem temple uh, knew only too well. They were of the faithful remnant and were looking for the one who would bring the restoration of Israel, the restoration of God's kingdom here on earth. What they didn't know was what shape this new restored kingdom would take this was to be a kingdom that would include nations not all, uh, that would include all nations and not just israel in the same way that israel was banished from god's favor so the one who came to bring in this new kingdom was banished to the desolation and isolation of the cross just as israel was stripped of everything so jesus was stripped of everything his being in very nature god stripped away his being equal with god stripped away his sharing with god the glory of heaven stripped away as he hung on the cross between heaven and earth jesus suffered the humiliation and punishment for the sin of the world and experienced the isolation and separation from the one with whom he was one. This was the final and greatest restoration of all, for all time, for all eternity. As Peter was to write several years after that, 1 Peter 2, 23-24, when they hurled their insult at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to the one who, just, who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Jesus is God's solution for the salvation of the world. The only means of salvation and restoration. Through the death, death and resurrection of Jesus, God demonstrated to us his compassion and faithfulness to all of his creation. And this is the remedy for our sin, for our unfaithfulness, to our chasing after those things that we should not pursue. For it is at the cross that we return. As the ones who turned away it is at the cross that we find true restoration of our souls it is at the cross that we leave that we can leave the heavy burden of our sin and it is uh, and, and receive cleansing and forgiveness and God's grace freely given through Jesus And it is at the cross that God shows us how much he loved us. Just as he showed Israel how much he loved them despite all that they had done. For in truth we are no better than Israel in our attitude towards God and we deserve the penalty for our sin. But Jesus has come between us and God and has brought us back. Just as Hosea paid the equivalent of 30 pieces of silver uh, to buy Gomer back to himself to restore her and give her back her full rights, so God has bought, bought us back to himself with the price of his son and nothing can separate us from that love. Let's pray. Let's just be quiet for a moment and perhaps respond to God, to his word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you love us so much. Thank you, Father, for that it is so vividly demonstrated in your word and in the life of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for it. Help us to honour your name by living for you, understanding your love in our lives day by day. Lord, we just thank you in Jesus' name.